the city get a hold of the supernatural lifestyle and beginning to live it out. And we're, we're hearing testimonies in different churches of, of the effect that they're having. And um, they're, you know, some of the biggest churches in our city are beginning to experience more and more healing as a result of what God's doing in this season. And that's exciting because it means God's at work. Um, so uh, we, we've already dealt with three pieces of that. The first one we dealt with was healing as manifestation of the kingdom. We are in a never-decreasing never and ever-increasing kingdom. And part of the manifestation of God's kingdom at work is that there will be healing, signs, wonders, deliverance, resurrection from the dead. We, we live and believe and look for that to increase. That's one of the foundations of why this is for today. A second foundation is that healing is a gift of the Holy Spirit. We spent a week on that. And if you missed any of these, I encourage you to go back and listen. Um, you know, I, our, our desire is never to speak in a way that what we say is what you have to believe. In fact, if I don't challenge what you believe a little bit, I'm probably not doing my job correctly. Um, what I want you to do is study and develop for yourself. You know, what, where do I live in this thing? That's what we're after. And then third, last, last time, which was actually last week, we talked about healing being in the plan of redemption, an incredibly foundational piece of why healing is for us today and should operate through us. This morning, I want to talk about one that I don't know if it's more important, but it, it really is critically important for today, and that is healing is in the Father's nature. Um, there are two reasons that I think this one this morning is, is so important. Number one, it's how we view God. Um, if we understand that healing is in his nature, it will change the way we pray. It will change what we expect. But the second part of that is it also deals with our motivation. And we'll get to that a little bit later. I want to start with John G. Lake. Um, I've been reading through a lot of the old healing evangelists to pick up where, where did they find their foundation, what they were doing. And John G. Lake said, Jesus did not heal the sick in order to coax them to be Christians. I think that's quite an important statement today. Um, it's very easy to think of healing only as a means to an end instead of healing as a part of the nature of our Creator. And, and if we get that out of balance, we're going to actually start missing it. Um, he healed because it was in his nature to heal. And that's this morning, I want us to walk out of this room with a sense that healing is in the nature of God. So let's start back in the Old Testament where God reveals himself as healer. And uh, we'll read Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. If you give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord and to what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. I'm not going to try to unpick all of that verse because I'd get out of what I'm supposed to do today. But I, I want to just look first at that last phrase, I am the Lord your healer. Why is that important? Every time God reveals a name, he reveals part of his nature. 
in our society, we don't necessarily think that way. Now, I, I know some of you have prayed about, you know, your child and the kind of the prophetic words over their life, and you gave them a name based on the things you were hearing, and, and I believe that's a good thing to do. But I, I grew up in a, in a very different culture where if you heard the name of the person in that name would define their family background, their history, maybe even something that happened in their history. Um, we had one guy on our mission station, and his name was Motorcar. Well, he happened to be born, there's an older gentleman, back in the days when the first motorcar showed up. And he's named based on the event that happened around his birth, this revelation of this crazy, noisy thing driving into the village called Motorcar. Um, and that guy, they have an interesting family line. He actually had a grandfather that was named a chair. Because the first Sudan chair carrying a person, they encountered this chair, we asked what it was, and we're told it was a chair. And so that becomes the name of a person tied into an event. Well, this isn't just a name tied into an event. This is a name tied into the nature of a person, of our precious Lord Jesus, of our precious God. Now, the context of this was that a, you know, Israel's crossed the Red Sea. They've had that incredible deliverance. And just a few days later, they end up at this place called Mara. And they're expecting to have water, but when they get to Mara, the water's bitter. And it, it only takes a few days for people to forget what God's done. And they're back to complaining, and let's go back to Egypt, and all of the things they're hearing. And, and Moses goes to God and, and says, God, what, you know, what do we do? And... We read in 1525, just the verse before this one that's on the screen, um, God shows him a piece of wood, a stick. It's a very interesting Hebrew word. There's no known bush or shrub or tree with that name. Uh, so it, it's either just a chunk of wood on the ground or a stick that was on the ground. It was literally God showed Moses something and said, throw that in the water. It's always fascinated me that back even in the Old Testament, the revelation of God as healer actually took a word of knowledge to do it. Moses has a word of knowledge. He throws that stick in the water, and immediately that water's healed. That's why you'll hear in Dayspring, you'll often hear words of knowledge come in after, after worship because we believe God speaks and wants to do specific things, and word of knowledge are kind of the, the herald of that. And, uh, you know, over the years, I, I've seen all kinds of crazy words of knowledge. I know you probably have too. But I remember being in one of our first trips to Brazil. We were in a little church, and one of the ladies on the team, we go around, all of us give words of knowledge. This lady on the team gave, gave a word of knowledge, and her word was, I see a banana hanging on a string in a living room. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to have to have a conversation after the service about this one. And, you know, confine your words of knowledge to blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, it's public. It's already given. So, you know, 
through his translators, it, you know, was anybody here respond to that? Well, this lady off the back row comes down to the front, walks to the front with her daughter. Her daughter has suffered with migraines for several years, and they've tried everything and can't get the migraines to stop. And so the week before, she took her daughter to a witch doctor. And the witch doctor told her, go home, hang a banana from a string in your living room, and you'll be healed. So she went home, hung a banana from a string in the living room, and it got worse. So here she is in a meeting, and God unpacks the very action of the previous week. That lady gets saved, her daughter gets saved, they both get delivered, her daughter gets healed. There's complete transformation in a family because of a word of knowledge that sounded so off. Anybody home? See, we've got to learn to trust the Spirit of God to communicate the heart of God. And I love it that in, in God's establishing or his revealing of his name, he actually gave us that the beauty of fragments of information that don't make sense to us, but they make sense for the person we're dealing with. Just a few years after that, in the same Brazil, we were in a, we were in a meeting, there were about 3,000 people in the room, and the team was given words of knowledge. And uh, I, I, know, I think I know I've shared this one here, but it, it was probably the night that word of knowledge became more than real to me. It, it was one of those nights that just literally shakes your foundation of what you believe is possible. And uh, somebody right over here, they're actually, the person was actually standing next to me that night. They gave, an, gave a word of knowledge about a deaf right ear. Well, all the way in the back corner of a room, 3,000 people, this little girl who had been deaf from birth starts banging on her right ear with her hand, and in the act of it, her right ear pops open and she can hear. So come around, there's probably 100 people on the team that hour, 50, 60, 70 at least. Somewhere over about here, another team member gave a word of knowledge about a deaf left ear. At the moment that word came out of her mouth, that same little girl starts patting her left ear and it pops open. The only reason we knew it happened was at the end when testimonies are given, the father came up and brought his daughter and explained what had happened. This little girl is deaf from birth. A word of knowledge is given. Nobody prayed for her. She couldn't hear it. Come on, let that mess with your mind just for a little bit. Let, let that mess with your impossible meter. She couldn't hear it. The only reason we knew it happened is her father was sitting next to her. He heard the word and saw her reaction. And he's as shocked as we all were. Come round to this word of knowledge and she can now hear, but she's never heard language. 
She has no idea what was given, but the moment that word of knowledge came out of her mouth, her left ear opened. She's now on the platform. He's giving testimony. What does that do to your impossible meter? See, we, we, we've got to be a people, and that's the beauty of this being in the Father. A part of his nature is that it takes out of the way all impossibility. If this really is in God's nature, then he's really possible of absolutely anything he wants to do. We just have to position ourselves with, it, with an expectancy to see that happen. So Moses experiences this, this, this moment at Mara, but he's still not satisfied. And so sometime later, Moses begins to pray, show me your glory. You know, I've seen all this stuff. I've seen what you've done. This is after the burning bush, after the plagues, after the Red Sea, after the pillar of cloud and fire. He's seen all of these external manifestations, but there's something in his heart that wants to know this God in more of a personal way. He wants to see something more real, more tangible, in his mind, and in the people of Israel, I mean, they were afraid to even approach the mountain when there's fire and smoke on it. You know, Moses kind of walks right up into it. He's learned something about the nature of God. But Moses said, show me your glory. Goes up, gets the second tablets, and God covers him with his hand, passes by. He gets to see a glimpse of God. But then God speaks and gives a second name, which again is a revelation of his nature. And God says, and he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. So healing is not only in the nature of God, his nature is compassion and grace. God's going to let all of his goodness pass in front of Moses. What do you think that looked like? Have you ever just kind of laid in bed at night wondering what that, what does it look like to see all of God's goodness? I'll tell you a secret. I think our world is on the beginning of seeing some of the all of God's goodness. I believe there's a manifestation of his presence and his glory coming that's absolutely going to shake us. So when God says, my goodness is my glory, he's basically saying, my he's describing his nature. He's describing this goodness that's in his nature. So we, if we have a God whose name is healer and his nature is good, what can we expect him to do in us and through us? If that really is who he is, that really defines, it's not all of who he is. I mean, I, I am convinced, I, I've been doing this for quite a long time, and uh, I'm pretty convinced that I know less today than I knew 20 years ago, and a lot less than I knew 40 years ago, and significantly less than I knew 50 years ago. I'm pretty convinced that God is bigger than me. 
I'm pretty convinced that his mind is bigger than my mind. And I've given up trying to get my mind to understand all that his mind thinks or does because my mind isn't big enough to contain that. And if God isn't bigger than you, you're not really serving God. We've got to understand that this incredible magnificence of who he is, and yet he chooses to reveal himself. He chooses to reveal himself, and there's a number of names in Scripture. One of the reasons we have some of the names of God on the pillars of, uh, of church is it's just that's one of the things God instructed us to do. His name over here is, you know, the Lord our healer is the name from, from, Ezekiel, uh, from Exodus. Why are those on there? Because that's the foundation of who we are, is this incredible, magnificent Father. We believe that it is actually this revelation of the goodness of God that is powering the awakening right now. Everywhere you go on the earth, whether it's in places under persecution or in places where there's great liberty in Brazil, where the church is growing at unbelievable rates, wherever you go, there is a revelation of the goodness of God that is actually empowering this thing that's happening. It's just, it's coming to terms with this incredible, wonderful, good God that we serve. Moses' response is, let me know your way so I can please you. That's our heart. I want to know who you are so I can please you. I want to understand your ways so I can do what you've created me to do and function as you've called me to function. I don't want to just go through the motions of life and then stand before him and have nothing. I want an arm full of crowns to throw at his feet. Because we've served him and given our lives to love him. If you're not living for eternity, you're not really living as a Christian. There's an eternal part of this. Look at your neighbor say, you're going to live forever. I mean, right now, it's pretty temporary. This body I live in is not doing as well as it used to do. Don't quite have the energy I used to have. I'm finding out why, why Randy Fuller, one of our elders that's gone on to be with Jesus, he always used to say, getting old is not for sissies. And, and I used to smile and agree with him. And now I'm the one saying it. It's not a negative confession. It's a fact that things hurt that didn't used to hurt. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, all our infirmities, whatever they are, are just opportunities for God to display his gracious work in us. Whatever you're in, whatever you're going through, whatever persecution, not persecution, whatever victories, whatever you're going through, it's an opportunity for God to demonstrate something through you. You know, Paul makes this statement in Philippians chapter 1. He, 
it was probably, when I was a teenager, it's probably the, it was the shift to me giving my life or, or making Jesus Lord, let me put it that way. And it was in Philippians where Paul makes a statement, every circumstance has been turned or my circumstances had been turned for the greater progress of the gospel. And I remember reading that and, and for weeks I'm tormented by every circumstance. I was only 18 years old. I think every circumstance, good and bad circumstances, every circumstance has been turned for the greater progress of the gospel. What would it be like if every circumstance in here was turned for the greater progress of the gospel? That's what, that's what Spurgeon's talking about here. He's talking about this incredible God that wants to manifest his goodness, his healing, whatever it is through you. All of who he is, he wants to manifest that through you. Will we let him have every circumstance we face? Or will we reserve the difficult ones or we will hold back or we decide we want to do it our way? Doesn't work very well. You know, Jesus, when the disciples came to him in John chapter 9, the disciples saw this, this man that was born blind and they came to Jesus and their comment to Jesus was, is this man blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? And uh, Jesus' answer was incredibly clear. Neither. It wasn't about whose fault it was. It was the fact that this circumstance is there for the glory of God. And that glory is going to be manifest through this circumstance. What if we, in every circumstance we countered, was turned for the greater progress of the gospel? Was turned to release the glory of God? That's why we're laying these foundations in us is we want the theology underneath us so that our practice becomes consistent. And that every opportunity is taken to see the release of what God's after. We believe that God's always good. Doesn't matter what's happening. His nature doesn't change because we don't see what we want to see. I mean, David found this, and I'm not, I didn't put the verses up there, but Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 103, we serve a God who pardons our sin and heals our diseases. He's talking about the nature of God. He's talking about who this incredible God that, that he had grown to love and worship was. Because that revelation is powerful. We've got to understand what that looks like for us. When Jesus came, he came as the exact representation of who the Father was. Every characteristic of the Father was lived out through the life of Jesus. The Son perfectly mirrored who his Father was. This is what we read in Acts 10. You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God appointed him, or anointed, sorry, anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus 
in everything he does is the exact representation of his father. If you want to see who God is, look at the life of Jesus. Pretty tough on religious folks. Incredibly gracious toward hurting folks. Always with love and compassion to see anybody that wanted to come, come. That's how he lived and that's how we're called to live. Uh, Jesus spoke. His two main topics that go through the Gospels were the kingdom and his father. He constantly talks about his father. He talks about the relationship with his father, who his father is. Several times he refers directly to his relationship in, in terms of how he demonstrates what the father does. I only do what I see him do. So the father anoints Jesus, and the result of that anointing is his action of doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. The action came out of the anointing of the Father. Now, Jesus' character, his personality, is fully who God is. But as the Son of Man, full of the Holy Spirit, he's also demonstrating in that position the nature of God. And that demonstration came as the Holy Spirit operated through him. Both things were essential. I can't emulate his work as a savior. But I can his work as a healer. I can't die for somebody else's sins. But I can live a life full of the Holy Spirit demonstrating the nature of God in front of people. We've got to understand what our work is. What are you called to? What our job is. And the more we buy into that as our responsibility, So Jesus used the term manifested the nature of the Father. All manifest means is that something that was invisible becomes visible. So up until God gives the name healer, he was an invisible God. And then a revelation, part of his nature comes to Moses. Part of his nature is revealed in the goodness is goodness, compassion. That's part of the revelation of who he is. But then Jesus comes as the full manifestation, the full making visible of who God is. Spend time. Read the red in your scripture. Look at what Jesus did, who he was. That's what you and I are to become. That's our goal. Is we live like that. We manifest his presence and power like that. Jesus demonstrated, and then he turns to us in John, John 4, 7, and the last part of that verse, the context is, is the love, but the last part of the verse is, because he is, so are we in this world. Or as he is, so are we in the world. God's expectation for you and I is that we demonstrate his nature to people how we deal with issues, how we deal with suffering, how we deal with division, how we deal with conflict, how we, all of that we're supposed to be manifesting who he is and the way we live. There are two primary keys that I see in the life of Jesus that caused him to consistently, and we're not talking about his nature, his divine nature, we're talking about Jesus, the Son of Man, full of the Holy Spirit. There were two primary times 
Number one, he spent a massive amount of time alone with the Father. If there isn't a fellowship with the Father, you're not going to walk in the miraculous. You might pull it off occasionally, and you might have God show up and do something through you. But there's a depth of intimacy with the Father that actually became the foundation because out of that you know the heart of the Father and you can respond from the heart of the Father. The second piece that was so critically important to Jesus was his surrender to the Holy Spirit. So it's the relationship to the Father and the surrender to the Holy Spirit are the two pieces that empowered him in lifestyle to fully manifest the nature of God. Both important parts. His deity is the Son of God and his humanity is the Son of Man. Both are there as part of who Jesus was. John Wimber, who really pioneered in a lot of ways this current healing move, says we don't seek God's power, we seek his presence. His power and everything else we need always is always found in his presence. Um, if, if you're struggling to find healing for yourself or for somebody else, stop trying to get the formula of your prayer right and get in the presence of God. Stop trying to say the right words or get the, you know, so often we get very formulated. We, we want to see how it works. We want to have all the right things to say. I, I, I'm an engineer. I, I want a formula to make it work. And one of the deaths to that side of me has been there isn't a formula for this. There's a relationship. There's an intimacy. There's a callback. We're told that in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. We believe as the people of God that the fruit of the Spirit are actually the character traits of Jesus which were the character traits of the Father. He lived out in us as a work of the Holy Spirit. Um, you, you walk in the fruit of the Spirit because that grows in you as the life of the Spirit grows. And one of the fruit is goodness. Where does goodness come from? You can't be good by wanting to be good. You're good because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And the goodness of the Father is manifest through you as the life of the Holy Spirit, through the life of the Holy Spirit. Too often we're trying to develop Christian character without yielding to the Holy Spirit. In actual fact, it's the yielding to the Holy Spirit that produces Christian character. This month our theme at, at Grace Point is actually the, char the character of the kingdom. Character is worked in you by the Holy Spirit. Um, are disciplines important? Yes, I believe in spiritual disciplines. But I suspect that Jesus' spiritual disciplines of fasting, of prayer, of intimacy came out of a hunger for the presence of his Father rather than out of him disciplining his life to behave a certain way. I grew up with all the disciplines and none of the life. I did more prayer, Bible reading, fasting as a young man growing up in a religious culture than I've ever done the rest of my life. 
and I had less power and less presence and less peace and less joy and less anything. And then suddenly there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit and we discover this person, the Godhead that lives inside of us that makes these things that were impossible to attain suddenly normal to attain because the Holy Spirit lives in us. That's what God's after for every single one of us. The Holy Spirit is in you for you and on you for others. There's an anointing. The Holy Spirit's anointing on Jesus caused him to go around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. The anointing on this body of believers and on bodies of believers across this nation is for a purpose of going around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. God was with you. Same terminology, same statement. Another verse that's become very real to us in this season is Romans chapter 2. Knowing that the kindness or goodness depends on which translation you read. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. We have watched more people get saved in crusades and healing meetings than we've ever seen in our lives. Remember the night that we watched a paralytic get healed. And when we gave the invitation, we had over a hundred people run to the altar to get to know that God. If he can do that, then I want a relationship with him. We've got to be a people that are willing to display who God really is. We want repentance in our nation, but we want to do it without displaying the presence and power of God. You don't display the presence and nature, the power of God, you're not going to see the repentance you desire. We're trying to convince people to live right instead of demonstrating the life of God through his spirit. I want to close out with this coat, then we're going to have communion. If you didn't get your communion, would you uh, raise your hand and somebody get that to you when you came in? Somebody grab a basket and do it. Just keep your hand up for a minute if you would. This quote's from a gentleman named Ken Blue. Um, you may not have read much of his. He's, he was a Baptist pastor, very successful Baptist pastor. Um, had an encounter in a John Wimber meeting. Um, he encountered this thing called healing that he hadn't really experienced before. And he went in search of finding a theology of healing. And he wrote, he's written several books. One of them is Authority to Heal. But this is out of that book. The more secure we are in the belief that God's will is our help. I particularly like the, one of the things I like about his book is that he, he doesn't just go for healing, he goes for help. And I think it's really important for the body of Christ that we, we live not just for healing, but for help. And I think it's a lot easier to stay healthy than to get healed. And uh, okay. I think there's some stuff we have to learn on that. We, we might need a small group about that. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> a little accountability. I, I wouldn't be in a running group, Ed, but you know, I might I might be in a, yeah, never mind. Don't make a commitment you can't keep. 
the more we are secure in the belief that God's will is our help and that we and that he personally works for us. Can you believe that? Do you believe his nature? We can trust his nature. The more freely we receive his healing and the more eagerly we work for it and need it. Have you ever found yourself hesitant to pray for healing? How many felt that? That has to do with our view of the nature of God. We're not 100% sure. Openly receiving healing for ourselves and constantly praying for others rests ultimately in our understanding of who God is. A theology of healing only arises when God is viewed as one who is concerned about sickness and willing to do something about it. Thank you, Lance, for that prayer. This morning, pop that little piece of bread. I, I, I just feel appreciated. Camille, thank you. She opened my top half for me. It's always good to have your top half opened by somebody else. By his stripes, he was healed. We talked about this last week in these comments. I want you to take just a couple minutes right now and spend some time talking to the Father about your view of the Father. How does my view need to change? How have the circumstances I've gone through influenced my view of who he is? I promise you they do. And if we're not careful, those circumstances begin to dull our expectancy of who he is and what he can do. If you're in need of physical healing this morning, would you stand up right now before we take this bread? Just stand with me. demonstrated last week that when scripture said by his stripes you're healed it was both spiritual and physical healing both are in his body both are ours because of what he's done so father I'm asking this morning that as we take this bread together that by your stripes your healing would manifest to us just like that word of knowledge that hit a deaf ear and created a miracle we want this representation of your body to create the miracle in us this morning As good evangelicals, we always struggle with the Catholic view of transubstantiation. The truth is we evangelicals have dumbed this down so much that we've lost its power. And it's time to 
reawaken. This is the representation of the nature of a God that heals. And he made a way for healing to happen for us in the death of his son. And with every stripe he took, took it for you and for me. The Lord Jesus, across this room, as we take this bread together, would you manifest your healing power? We speak the body to say, be whole. We speak the organs that are not functioning. We say, come alive. We speak to balance, and we say, be whole. We speak to autoimmune, and we say, be gone in Jesus' name. We even speak to these aging skeletons that we walk around in, and we say, Father, we want to go out strong, not feeble, because of what you always amazed me that when the children of Israel come out of Egypt, they'd just eaten the first Passover. Didn't know what it meant yet, but there was not one feeble among them. Oh my goodness, every time I feel feeble, I remember that. Because that's my truth. That's my truth. So Father, no feeble among us as we take this together in Jesus' name. The second part of that Passover meal, and then Jesus redefining the Passover, was that this cup became the new covenant. This cup contained everything we need to do what we're called to do. This cup gives us access to the Holy Spirit, not just anointing on us, but resident in us. Because this cup cleans not just the outside, but the inside. And we're made whole by the blood of Jesus. We became a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. So, Father, this morning, we just receive your new covenant, the blood that forgave us, the blood that cleansed us, the blood that renewed us, the blood that makes us whole, the blood that allowed us to be full of your Holy Spirit. And we take that now in Jesus' name. Would you guys, which side are they on this side? Tasha, you guys over here. JD and Brittany, would you come down over on this side? And uh, we want to pray over these two couples. This is one cute kid. moment I'm going to invite, anybody wants to come down and pray over 
just right over that side if you guys would just make room for others to get around and just some of you guys right there that's good there we are um, let's stand up how many of you can feel over the last few times a more solid expectancy for healing beginning to grow inside of you. Can you feel that? I, I, I sense it in like the body of people. There's, there's something of a, of a security in what he's about to do. So this morning, if you need a breakthrough in your belief structure, I encourage you to come down and get prayer from one of these teams. If you need healing in your body, maybe you just felt God do something in that communion, but you want that reinforced, just come and allow them to pray for you. We also want some people to come gather around JD and Brittany and pray over them. I believe there's some prophetic words over these guys this morning about this next season. There's, there's an effectiveness. The, the first few years were in a place where getting grounded but I just sense guys you, you're grounded and now the breakthrough comes I just feel like this is moment this next move back in you're going to move in with a new authority and a new expectancy a new anticipation there's something the anointing is just on you incredible some of you come gather around them and then some come and gather around Daniel and Natasha and pray over them um we want to see these two go with blessing. We're believing that they're going to come back with something for our city and something for our region. And so we want to send them out as part of this body and just bless them in their going. There's buckets out for either, and feel free to come and sow into their lives and sow into their ministries, and let's, let's believe for some breakthrough. Oh, Father, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good to us. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, Father, Father. Mm. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Oh. Mm. Mm, Jesus. <laughs> as, you, as you took the bread, if you were standing a little bit ago, as you took that bread, could you, if you could sense God doing something in you as you took that, would you raise your hand real quick? I want to I see. I felt like there were some things specific happening. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're believing for those breakthroughs to happen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I was also going to do something that I never do this morning. But Sally and I did a book called Gifts, Fruit, and the Sound of Effective Ministry. And this book is basically that link between 
the fruit of the Spirit and the character or the nature of God and how that works together to let the gifts function properly. Um, if you've never read that, there's some in the back there. Shelby would take care of you. But I just encourage you, if, the, if that piqued your interest, to grab one of these and do it. As we write them to get them out, so do it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord, you're good. You're good. Well, we're going to keep praying for a little while. Feel free to greet each other. If you've got children next door, feel free to go and pick them up. And uh, be blessed. We love you guys. Can't wait to see what God's going to do through you. Amen.